0: Leaning Toward Wisdom, the podcast. Let's answer some questions. (music) Greetings and welcome inside the yellow studio. Today is Thursday, October the 6th, 2022. It's the first podcast episode that I'm recording, Standing Up. Not that you care. I've got a squeaky chair, so I'm like, this is driving me crazy. I can't do this. I kind of like this. I kind of like being able to stand up. Uh, In recent weeks, a lot of episodes, and it is provoking some questions. I've been threatening to do this for a few weeks now, so I decided I'd get around to it going to try to not be verbose in all of this. We'll just try to cut to the chase and I'll be as candid and as honest as I'm able. The website is leaning toward It is modern tales of an ancient pursuit. Welcome inside the yellow studio. And let's start right there because I have alluded to the yellow studio 2.0 giving way to the yellow studio 3.0. And so that has sparked, it's the biggest question so far, what's going to happen? What's the yellow studio going to become? Uh, the answer is I don't know. And the answer is it depends and I'm not being evasive it's just true i began podcasting in the yellow studio over 20 years ago i am in a room that is don't make me lie to you 13 by 14 12 by 13 something like that um this is a room that has walls that are painted yellow hence the name the yellow studio i dubbed it that I wanted the walls painted this color. So it was all by design and intent. That's when this whole it's when this whole thing began. Every podcast that I have recorded other than those that I've done out in the field where I've had a digital recorder and one of my little microphones, well, they're not so little, but they are RE50. You see newscasters out in the field with these microphones. They're really good microphones. I've done some podcasts with those, but that's really the exception to the rule. So I spent a lot of time, laid down a lot of tracks, laid down a lot of audio uh, in this room. And so this became 2.0 and 3.0. At least right now, the intent is for 3.0 to really be kind of a bridge to 4.0. Now, I don't yet know what 4.0 is going to look like, but the intent is for 3.0 to be this 12 to 15-month kind of a thing. That really is about as precise as I can give you because I just don't know. You know, I'm, I'm going to abandon these digs. I'm going to find newer digs and I don't know what that's, what that's going to look like. I know that the bridge part of it, here's the intent. The intent is for it to be a desk, a nice desk, computer microphone, obviously, and the roadcaster pro and, and that's that now that that's going to work for me. In fact, that's going to work swimmingly for me. So I'm not thinking of the yellow studio 3.0 being so much a dedicated space like it, it currently is. That's not what I have in mind for yellow studio 3.0. But again, I don't know. I'm not there yet. I'm still, I'm still in 2.0, but then 4.0, I'm not, I'm not sure. Kind of dreaming, kind of conniving, kind of scheming about that. But uh, I don't, I don't yet know it's still going to be the yellow studio. It's just going to be a different iteration of the yellow studio. And I get the curiosity, but I wish I had a better answer for you, but there's the answer. And that's easily the question that I get. The next question, which is really, really, really close behind it, is this whole chapter stuff. And maybe I I haven't spent enough time fully explaining the metaphor of us writing the chapters of our life and us taking control of that authorship. And particularly, I've gotten questions about the encore chapter, this encore chapter. I've said it before, but I think it may have gotten past a few folks. I took that word Encore from an organization in New York City called Encore.org. Encore.org is made up of a, a group of people who really do work, including research, about those of us that are getting older and how we are going to architect, how we are going to navigate these chapters of our life typically post-retirement chapters of our life. And retirement not necessarily meaning you don't work. You just kick around, you fish, you hunt, you play golf, you just uh, you live this life of leisure. If that's what you want to do and you're able to do that, I applaud you. It's just not what I want. Never have wanted it. But I began to dub this the Encore chapter, and I completely plagiarized it from this group, Encore.org. And I only got to know that of that organization because of Marcy Albahor. Marcy Albahor was an author of a book. She's, she wrote it back in another lifetime. She had a completely different career before she began to be kind of a big shot smarty pants at Encore.org. And it was about the slashes. It was about how, you know, there's not really one role that defines us. Our lives are comprised of all, we're, we're, we are multifaceted kind of people. I really enjoyed the book and I started to follow her in social media. Uh, You can find her. She's on Twitter at Hey Marcy. It's M-A-R-C-I. And she got involved in this organization, Encore.org. Well, prior to that, I'd never heard of it. And of course, as I got older, I mean, I'm in the wheelhouse of their demographic. And so it made sense. So when I refer to the encore chapter of life, for me, I'm referring to these years. Uh, these, These years where, as I tell people pretty regularly, I've never known this much. I've never been better. I've never had this much insight, this much experience this much knowledge, uh, this much confidence, and I've still got a lot of vigor and a lot of energy and a lot of ambition, but I'm 65. And I know the stereotypical 65, retirement. I don't plan on ever retiring in the sense of not working, not earning income. And it's not because I'm mercenary. It's just... Not how I I how I see the world. So, a lot of questions about this this encore chapter, and why do you refer to it as an encore chapter? And and some people clearly are reading things into it that that are not intended, as though it's, it's. Well, I can tell you the big misnomer is like the finale. Well, it's it's an encore. Have you been to see a, a live concert? Some encores are one song. Other encores, they may go 30, 40 minutes. I don't know how long this encore chapter is going to be. And then that speaks to the whole chapter writing thing, which I could very easily wax on, but I'll refrain. Just know this. And if you listen to more than one episode Frankly, you probably don't even have to listen to more than one episode. Just please know this. And this is just my viewpoint. And you can take this for whatever it's worth. But it's your life. And you're responsible to live your life. You're also going to be accountable for your life. And I get that life may have dealt you a dirty hand. But what are you going to do about it? The rub is... We are all writing the chapters of our life because society of the people, life in general, circumstances, no, none of it's fair. None of it's fair. If you are achieving magnificent success, it's not fair. And if you are subjected to miserable failure, that ain't fair either. Because life's not fair. Sorry, it's just not. (laughs) I understand that some of us have bigger challenges than others. Some of us have more opportunities than others. Some of us have greater talent and skill than others. There's a ton of variables in all this. But at the end of the day, what we decide to do today with our life is up to us. So if your life is a wreck and if your life is a mess and you want to blame mommy and daddy and you want to blame society and you want to blame the world and you want to blame the government, that's fine. Blame whoever you need to blame. It may make you feel better, but it won't change the circumstances of your life. Only you have the ability to do that because God's the creator And he gave you that capacity. He gave you the ability to make up your own mind. He gave you the ability to decide for yourself. He gave you the ability to write the chapter. And the chapters form the book. And the book is your life. And it's your fingers on the keyboard. If you're in an analog world, it's your hands holding the pen. Nobody else. How you choose to react to what happens to you in life. Completely up to you. So I'm anxious to close this chapter of a life to begin a new chapter. What I'm dubbing an encore chapter. You know what? There might be more than one encore chapter. I don't know. Commented to Rhonda the other day. We were just, I don't know what we were talking about, but it, it, it ended up you know, talking about people who are retiring and they're trying to plan for their finances and stuff. And I said, you know, well, the, the key, the key is to know when you're going to die. If you knew when you, Oh, I know what it was. <laughs> Somebody had commented about social security and, uh, they were in their forties. And I said, well, for us full retirement is at 66 and a half. Now, what that means is at 66 and a half, we can, we can collect the maximum amount. Yeah, but that's not really accurate because we could wait until we were 70. And if I understand the math, correct between full retirement and 70 annually, what we collect could go up 8% a year and then 8%. And then at 70, that's all she wrote. It's never going to go any higher than that other than whatever adjustments for inflation and things the government might make. So 66 and a half was what I answered. And they made a remark, well, but you can, you can collect it earlier than that. Can't you? And I said, yeah, you could collect it at 62. You're not going to collect the full amount. And of course they had all kinds of questions. I said, I'm not a social security expert by a long shot. Their question was, so if you collect it at 62, then when you hit full retirement, does it go up to that amount? I said, no, you start collecting at 62. That's the amount. However, you will have collected it for four and a half years early. And I made a remark to them that I was rehearsing back to my wife. I said, you know, the the key is to know when you're going to (laughs) die. If you knew, if you knew when you were going to die, then you could, you could take, you could take the money when you felt like you needed to, but we don't know that. So it's all just kind of a crap shoot, you know, listen for us, the encore chapter is there are two events. And I, I I'm pretty certain that I've mentioned this in previous episodes. There are two events that make this for us. The encore chapter one was turning 65 and Signing up for Medicare, which for those of you that aren't in America, is kind of our national government health care for older folks. Yeah, kind of, sort of. Then you have to go to a commercial outfit and supplement that insurance. But when you're 65, you don't have to sign up for it, but you should. Because if you sign up for it after. You've got three months before your 65th birthday, three months after to sign up for it. And if you don't, there could be penalties. There could be a higher rate that you'll have to pay. So if you're going to do it, and if you know you're going to do it, then you do it. You do it around 65. We did. So that's life event number one. Life event number two is ahead of us. And that's that 66 and a half mark. That's full retirement for social security. So you work all your life. Again, for those of you that aren't in America, you work all your life. Deductions are taken out of your check. Government takes this, take, take that taxes and so forth. And part of what they take is to fund social security. So you pay in, you pay in, you pay in. then when you hit full retirement, well, actually when you hit 62, you can begin to take. You can, be, you can begin to take monthly amounts. To maximize that for us, and it depends on when you were born, for us when we were born, full retirement is 66 and a half. So that will be mile marker number two. Well, that's still ahead of us. So you take those two events that are separated by a year and a half, and that starts you thinking about, these encore years and so that's what i mean when i refer to the encore chapter i don't mean that i've got some dread disease i could i don't know that uh it's not don't don't do not use the synonym finale it could be but you know this could be my finale i just don't know it so that's that's true for all of us uh which leads into the Third big question, and that really has to do with finances and this cash flowing of life that I have referred to so fondly. I started to invite some financial person I mean I know a number of them to come on the show and and do one and I thought you know it's I mean I don't know that I want to go that much in depth to it it if you're interested in that, if you're interested in me having somebody like that on if if you are. If you were older, if you're in my demographic, I'd be, I'm happy to do that. There's plenty of resources out there. Um, but this whole cash flowing life that I have mentioned. So let me give you a little bit of context. So you work, you work, you work, and there's all kinds of ways that you can live your financial life. And let me begin by saying, I am not. I am not repeat, not the bastion of wisdom when it comes to, uh, financial prowess. I'm a business guy and running a business can be very different than managing one's household affairs. Rhonda and I have, have tried our best to be wise and faithful stewards of our household finances and I'm reasonably proud of of how we've done, it's one of those games where it's kind of fascinating to me. The comparisons that we make, and we make these comparisons when we're young. We make them when we're old. If you get to be in our demographic, your the cookies in your browser, they they know how old you are. They know where you live. They know everything about us. And so your newsfeed, you just continue to get, you continue to get inundated with, you know, how much money the average 60 year old should have saved and how much they, I mean, I, I see these in my newsfeed every day, every day. And of course, sometimes you can't help but click because they're so clickbaity and you go look and you, 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 you can read numbers that are just all over the board. I don't know what's true. And I, I don't, I don't even know how they would, they would necessarily know, but you know, some big percentage of people only have this much saved and some really small percentage have this much saved. And you know, where, where do you fit in? And I'm the guy who's always got the question, what difference does it make? (laughs) I mean, if the top 2% of people have X billions, millions of dollars saved, That affects me how, (laughs) if the bottom 90% have some number saved, well, I mean, until they start writing checks for my life, I just don't quite. Okay. It's if you're just curious to know, how do you stack up? How do you stack up? And I'm sitting here thinking of all the older people that are probably looking at these things and thinking. Oh, Martha, 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 we, we have made a horrible, we've lived a horrible life. Look at all these people who have substantially more than we've got saved. I mean, okay. It can make you feel bad about yourself on the flip side. It can make you feel really great about yourself. Okay. (laughs) But from a financial perspective, what difference does it make? What anybody else has, has saved? I could go across the street and, and the guy across the street, he might have I don't know. He might have 2 million dollars under his mattress. I okay. Kind of interesting, but I don't know how that how does that help me? How does that hurt me? It it doesn't affect me at all. But okay, this is the world we're living in. So people have inquired about this especially about this cash flowing thing. <laughs> Talk to somebody and they're like, "Yeah, yeah, we we, we cash flow." We cash flow life. I'm like, okay, well, what does that mean? Well, it turns out, guess what that meant for them. You're, you may be ahead of me. It meant that they basically they are riddled with debt, but they're making the payments. Well, now that's better than not making the payments, <laughs> but you've still got the debt. I'm like, no, that's not what I mean when I say cash flow life. Number one, the elephant in the room, and I, I guess I I didn't say this because I got too many people asking about it debt-free I understand that's not practical for everybody but you need to make it as practical as you can make it debt-free living debt-free living if you're in debt I mean work like a fiend to get out of debt and work even harder to stay out of debt so when I talk about us cash flowing life it's 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 pretty simple. There, there it's trust me. It is n- this is not high finance we're talking about here. This is super practical, low level. I'm an idiot kind of stuff. You bring in X number of dollars every month, and you've got expenses that are Y. Make sure Y is less than X. There's your formula. It's I mean it's no more complicated than that. And I'm not talking about payments on debt. So somebody asked me the other day, said, well, so do you, you you don't finance anything? And I said, yeah, if I get Rhonda needed a set of tires some months ago, I got, I don't know, 12 months, no interest. Didn't cost a thing. 12 equal payments. Okay, you write a check for the full amount of the tires, a set of four. Okay, well, why do that when you could make 12 equal payments and the net of those payments would be the exact same amount as the check that you wrote? Well, take the payments. You kidding me? Keep the money in your bank account and take the payments. Zero percent. And, and no fee attached. No, no nothing. Didn't cost a dime more. Yeah, I'll do that. Now, would I do that if I couldn't afford it? N- no. No, because I'm still thinking, okay, well, now of course you're gonna need tires. So we could get all fixated on well, I can't I can't afford tires. Well, okay, if you could get zero percent interest and the payment is whatever it is, can you pay that off? Because here's the rub if you don't pay it off at 12 months or whatever the term was, I think it was nine. Then the interest, which is high, the interest goes all the way back to day one. Now you're going to pay. Now you're going to be paying a whole lot more for the tires. So if you cannot afford to make the payments and to pay the thing off in full before the interest kicks in, then don't make the purchase. Or buy cheaper tires, right? So that's that's the logic. So when I talk about us cash flowing the next step of, of life, and then some questions have been, so, you know, so you tell me you got nothing. <laughs> people are so curious about money. It's interesting, isn't it? Like whatever money I have or don't have. Well, here's the question. How, how does that affect your life? Uh, does it? Does it have some material effect that I just am not aware of (laughs) money saved is money saved money invested is money invested. So I'm just going to share with you how, how we roll the way that we're rolling right now in these encore, as we're preparing to write this encore chapter, money saved, money invested is money saved, money invested. And you just pretend it's not there. Well, what fun is that? I can hear somebody saying. It's not about fun. I mean, I'm sorry, it's just not. It's not about fun. fun. Fun cannot be defined, at least in our philosophy, by our ability to spend money. I get that it's fun to spend money, but unless you're independently wealthy, You better find a better source for fun because that that's a road to disaster. If that's her, if that's how you're getting your fun, you better find something way cheaper for your fun. So money invested, money saved is money invested, money saved. No harm, no foul. Well, what if you just pretend it's not there? Well, what fun is that? Again, we're not talking about fun. Well, then what use is it? Well, it's plenty useful. It's there. What if we need it? I mean, do you know do you know how many Americans, aging Americans, virtually lose it all because of health care? Health care needs It's a staggering number. Well, is that where I want it to go? No, but you never know. It's like death. I don't know. I don't know what the future is. So money saved, money invested, and there it is. Well, you're not going to. You're not going to do anything. You don't have any plans for it. The answer is no. I don't. Huh. I have plans for it to just sit there. You know. So, cash flow. Cash flow life means. Okay, marshal the resources, whether it's selling a house, whatever it may be, and if you finance the next chapter of your life, and you want to, I say you, we want to cash flow life. So you anticipate Social Security and you anticipate these other sources of income and you're like, okay, there's the number, there's the overhead, we're good, (laughs) we're good. Overhead is going to be lower than the monthly income. Keep in mind, no debt, debt debt-free. So I cannot emphasize enough for those of you that may be chasing to put the fires of debt out in your life keep chasing that keep chasing that and do everything in your power to extinguish the debt uh it i i I just i i am not dave ramsey i'm not what's her name Susie orman i'm not I'm, i'm i'm not qualified i'm just telling you from a practical reality there's power in being debt free there's power in being debt free the fourth question, and, and I, I have put these in order of kind of popularity, it kind of has to do with this whole practical minimalism. And you'll, if you can't tell already, other than kind of the yellow studio thing, these other three, they're kind of all a mishmash of the same thing. I believe in practical minimalism. I believe in not I, – I believe in de-emphasizing – all the stuff I believe in de-emphasizing spending money so that I can feel better about myself. I, I just do. I just do. And I'm here to tell you firsthand how liberating it is to not just declutter, but what many of the minimalist will, the phrase that they will use that I rather like. And that is deown. own. It's not just about decluttering. It's about de-owning, which means I no longer own it. Maybe somebody else owns it. Maybe the dumpster owns it, but I don't own it anymore because ownership can feel powerful, but I'm I'm here to tell you when you don't own it, it can feel way more powerful, just way more powerful. I'm just speaking from my own experience. Your experience, your mileage could vary. Uh, For us, practical minimalism involves not getting rid of things that we love. But it does mean that we are currently, and we have in recent months, examined very closely, what do we love? And are are we sure we love it? I mean, what if this isn't love? This may not be love. This may be something different this may just be kind of a status quo that we've grown accustomed to. And it just may be, you know, we're just comfortable. And for us at this stage of life, to be fair with you, well, I'll I'll speak just for myself. A lot of it was, do I want to do that work? I mean, if you're surrounded by a couple of thousand books, it's like, (laughs) do I really, do I want to go through all these? The answer for a long time was No. No, I don't want to go through. I don't want to do that. You know, it's just easier to not face it. I've done an episode about be a Buffalo. Okay. Well, I just decided, okay, it's time to take your own medicine, dude, and be a Buffalo, you know, lean into it, rush in, rush into the thunderstorm, knowing that you're going to endure a little bit of a beating, but you're going to get through the storm way quicker because, well, you're going in the opposite direction. You're, you're facing it head on. And once I did that, within hours, I mean mere hours, everything changed. And yet I stopped and realized, you know what changed? My mind. I changed my mind. I made up my mind that I wanted to do this, and I began to do it. And as I began to do it, I enjoyed it. And I found it liberating. That's the word I've continued to use with anybody who asks. It's liberating. And the next thing you know... My 2,000 books was down to, I don't know, I'm guessing, 100. Man, did it feel great. It felt awesome. I'm sitting here in the yellow studio, and the yellow studio is just a, I mean, it's just a former version of itself. It is completely decluttered. It is rather austere looking compared to the way that it looked. And other than the Ballard Street prints, which are packed, and the cartoons and some of the little knickknacks that the grandkids always love to play with, I like it. I really, really like it. Okay, bonus question because this came up, and I, I and I'm only answering this because I think it, it. If 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 one person asked and one did, uh, then it may require some clarification for those that have not asked, and it deals with my tribe. I I use that phrase frequently. The tribe is ten people. That includes me and Rhonda. Half of that tribe are kids, grandchildren. And the grandkids age range in age from fifteen to seven. They're stair step. They're two years apart. There's two boys at the bottom end of it, two boys at the top end of it, and there's a granddaughter smack dab in the middle, five. So that means eight people make up my tribe. I've made the remark that the people that I love the most are here, but I've also made the remark that there are some places that I love and the place, the geographical place, places that I may love are not here. Well, that sparked a person to inquire, So please don't tell me that you're, that you're going to choose place over tribe, that you're going to choose place over people. I'm like, no, 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 no. You, you completely misunderstand or I've misspoken. So let me clarify here. And I guess in an episode, uh, because it was referenced, I I made a remark about somebody getting to retirement age. They kind of cashed out. They were seeking retirement in that didn't want to work anymore and they moved out of the country and they left grandkids, they left family behind and whatnot. And I, I'm, I guess I made the remark. I'd I'd have to go back and find the episode that I didn't quite understand that. And so the person was kind of, eh, they were politely taking me to task that, you know, well, I mean, like, how can you, how can you, how could you poo poo that? And I mean, you're going to, you're basically kind of going to do the same thing. I'm like, what? No, I'm not. <laughs> so let me explain. And this is for context. This is going to take longer than I would like it to take, but I want, I want this to be really clear because there's no way I'm, I would put a place above people. I just, it's just not how I roll. I, I, I can't get my head wrapped around that. It doesn't mean that places aren't important but the people, especially the people that are our tribe, that is these people that we love the most, these people who love us the most, these are the, these are the things that matter. They just do. So if, if you, if you don't hear any of the rest of this explanation, I hope you heard that. And everybody's situation is different. So here's our situation. So we're in, Dallas, Fort Worth, Texas. The tribe is in Dallas, Fort Worth, Texas. Love the tribe. Kind of, sort of, love Dallas, Fort Worth, Texas. Been here for a long time. Have loved it for a long time. But I'm craving something different. No question. But I'm not craving being away from people. I've long described this to close friends, especially, you know, it's kind of the Texas problem. Well, the Texas problem really isn't a Texas problem. It's only a Texas problem because that's where the tribes at. This is kind of a tribe problem, but I need to insert something that's very, very, very important because offline, this conversation is happening increasingly more and more because as you would imagine, I've got, I've got a somewhat of a, so, uh, hello, social circle that is largely kind of my demographic, my age. And most of us are married. And thankfully most of us, we still have our spouse. Neither of us has died yet. So Ron and I are going on 45 years of marriage. So let's just take the tribe, the tribe of 10 people. So there's three households. There's me and Rhonda. There's another household. And then there's another household. Between all three of these households, there are 10 people. Well, Rhonda and I are kind of a self-contained unit, just like the other two are. Take my son and his wife. Well, I love my son. My son loves me. My wife loves my son. My son loves my wife, his mom. But he needs to love his wife, and he does. He needs to love his wife way more than he loves us. That's no slight on us. That's just how life ought to be. He ought to love her more than he loves us. And so our interaction with him and our involvement in his life is certainly not intrusive. It is pretty much completely on his terms. It wasn't that way when he lived at home, when he was a kid living at home, the relationship was completely on our terms. We were the adults in the relationship. But we taught him as he got older, and we even told him point blank, there will come a time when our relationship with you, you will have your, your hands will be on the steering wheel, not ours. And we're going to be good with it. We're going to be perfectly good with it. Does it mean that we don't want to be involved? Oh, no. That's not what it means at all. It just means that you're going to be in charge of it. To whatever degree you want us involved, we're going to be there. And if you don't, we're in no way, shape, or form going to get our nose bent out of shape over it because you got your family and your family better take priority and better take precedent. And they do. Okay. So me and Rhonda, and I see this with aging couples, especially empty nesters, got the kids in common. Kids grow up, kids move off, kids have lives of their own. And now it's the two of you left together. Problem. You didn't build a life together. The life was built all around the kids. I'm not saying kids don't take precedent now, but it can't be all about the kids. Cause when the kids leave and it's now the two of you sitting at a table looking longingly into one another's eyes, what does that look like? So for me and Rhonda, it's me and Rhonda. So we have to take care of ourselves. We have to take care of our relationship and we're encouraging the other two families. They absolutely need to do the same thing. And if they don't, then, well, then we failed, right? I mean, come on as parents, you're, you're raising, we're raising these kids to grow up and be independent and, form lives of their own and get families of their own. And then when they do that, I mean, how many, how many older people do you hear? It's like, well, you never call like, okay, well, your fingers are broken, so you can't call better yet. You can't text. We have worked to try to be people that the family wants a relationship with. The only way that we knew to do that is we've got to bring value. Now, this isn't an exchange kind of a thing. This isn't a mercenary kind of a thing. But what do we add to their life? If all we add to their life is hardship, guilt trips, manipulation, okay, well, I'm sorry, that's a real low-value proposition. And thankfully, that's not how we've lived our life. We've lived our life to try to bring as much value and if it's valuable, great. And if it's not, that's on us. It's not on them. So this is about me and Rhonda, first and foremost. This is about our life. This is about us doing what is best for us as a family unit, as a, as a couple, and for us to take care of ourselves, number one, spiritually, number two, mentally and emotionally, and number three, financially well, that's a lot of moving parts. Well, guess what? You've got those moving parts in your life too. And as the families get bigger and there's three households, guess what? There's two households. I I, I may have some influence, but I, I don't make the calls there. I don't have a vote <laughs> and nor should I. So it kind of is what it is. So when I talk about, a place or places that provide some value for me and Rhonda it is not it's not a matter of well choosing one over the other and so i'll wrap it up by saying this the intent is no matter what happens and no matter where i'm at the intent is to spend as much time as i can this includes Rhonda as much time as we can with grandkids and with family with the rest of the tribe without being intrusive. And for the time that we do spend, for that to not be intrusive. For that to be time that makes everybody feel good. First and foremost, them. Secondarily, if they're going to feel good about it, I can promise you we're going to feel good about it. So I hope that answers that question. There's the bonus question. Aren't you glad you tuned in today? Tuned in like it's radio. It's not radio. It's a podcast. You can tune in anytime you want to, you know, the downside for those of us that are podcasters, you can tune out anytime you want to as well. tuning out. That's a good thing for you. Shoot. It's a good thing for me. We all win. If you stop and think about it, when this whole pod, this whole podcasting thing, we all win. If you choose to click stop, the podcaster wins because you're not wasting your time and you're not letting that podcaster waste your time. That's a good thing. Oh, podcasters don't all think so, but I do I rather like it I like the fact that This is your life And you can make foolish decisions If you choose to (laughs) You could hit stop on a podcast It's called Leaning Toward Wisdom If you're dumb enough to do that You can do it (laughs) I'm kidding, I'm kidding You know that The whole podcast is Largely driven by Snarkiness, don't you? Well if you didn't know it then you haven't been listening. So there's that. But thanks for listening to this one. Man if this was your first episode, huh. Just do me one favor. Please go just pick a pick an episode at random and go give it a listen. Don't don't judge me by this one. Yell Studio 2.0. Don't know how long it's going to last, but it's here. I need to do an episode on How to be successful at real estate. (laughs) The key is when the market's red hot and everything's selling for way above asking, don't sell. Wait, 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 wait. Let it cool off and then wait some more. Wait until ice crystals start to form. Then, then decide time to sell, time to sell. come on we're all doing the best we can wisdom is trying to get it right in real time and I'm living proof it's hard that's really really hard leaningtowardwisdom.com is the website my name is Randy Cantrell greetings and welcome it's 2.0 but it's still the yellow studio